Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my delightful, expressive friend, Crystal Brown. Crystal is an actress, director, and the owner of Theater for Life, where she leads actor workshops and does private coaching. Crystal and I have a beautiful conversation about the impact of theater and arts on personal development and growth and touch on the idea of how some of the most challenging times in our life are really what give us the grit and ability to bring forth our character and to have that sort of strength and endurance in life. And that all of these things can be expressed through acting, through the expressive arts. Crystal also shares her vast knowledge about creative mind and growth mindset through acting and how that helps us to express and experience joy, how to manage being an empath, and the power of manifestation when you truly believe that you have something. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hi, Whitney. I'm so glad that you've had me on. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. (laughs) Thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming and chatting with me. Um, Crystal, you and I met mm, like a year ago, right? Yeah, approximately. Maybe more because I think COVID has... Actually, I don't. I feel like COVID's totally ruined my my sense of time. So a year, two (laughs) years, four years, who knows? Yeah. What is time anymore? Somewhere along the timeline, you connected. Yes, a wise question. But we connected via, um, oh my God, what was the circle? The circle, Jessica Hadari circle. Yes, where Um, lots of my guests are found. (laughs) (laughs) There's no trend. It's all good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we got to chat and connect. And then we connected a few times while I was on my road trip, but we would get disconnected because I was like in the middle of the desert. Going through (laughs) those dead zones. Yeah. No worries. But yeah, it was really nice. I remember you uh, having a lot of energy and I really liked the things you had to say in Circle. I felt like you were very reflective. Um, And so when you reached out later just to chat, I was very excited. So thank you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and excited to be here now, where we're now in 2022. So at least we're moving along in some regard <laughs> in this crazy time. And, you know, you and I were just talking about how, I mean, it has been such a crazy decade, like since since the clock struck 2020, it's been like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're already here, roaring 20s, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. But that, like, there's something changing. There's there's change in like consciousness. Yes. There's change in like sort of the undertones. Something's coming up for people. And I think this is important to mention because, you know, the reason I do this podcast to have women on here is because I believe in meaningful work that's about creating the change now that we really want to see in future generations. Maybe we won't see yeah. it as much like, I mean, the work that we do creates change now for people, but it's about like creating a bigger trend, planting seeds for like a new type of existence in a few decades where it's not so much based as it is now and a lot of like focus on externals and, you know, sort of really focusing on how we're viewed by others and impressing and, and wanting to kind of measure our worth by success and all these different things, but more about seeing like our innate abilities. And that I think introduces your work, Crystal, because you are an actress, you're a director, you're all about theater. And an, edu- <laughs> an educator as well. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you talk about the future generations, I'm like, oh Lord, I can talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cause you're working with the kiddos. So you're I like, oh boy. Kiddos. I work, they, you know, it's, it's interesting this time that we're, I think we're, we're really, I know it feels like we're not blessed, but we are, we are in a very unique time where not only are we able to see our shadows like literally presented to ourselves in the world, um, but we've had, we've been put, as one of my friends said, we've been put in timeout by like Mother Earth where we had to sit down and really reflect on who we are and what we are and what we want and why we are. And now we get to kind of try to put that into into 
play with that and put that into the space, out into the space. So yeah. So yep, really absolutely. But um, I, I can talk about what I do or... Yeah, you know, please okay. do. Tell us all about so, it. Yes, I'm a, a performing arts coach and a performing arts educator. And what that means is that I basically play with kids and play with adults. And uh, we make stories and we make theater together. And I get people out of their shell and I push them past... Um, their own understanding of their own limitations, and I help them to develop empathy. And I, there's a lot of things, a lot of skills that um, theater as an art form uh, brings to the table. So um, I've been, you know, I've been teaching theater for about 15 years, and I've worked with lots of different organizations from children's theater to uh, college theater to random theater companies. I also act. Um, Mostly, I haven't really performed in a long time, but I'm excited. I restarted my career and I now have an agent, which is exciting. Um, and I just got my first commercial, which I haven't had in like over 10 years. So that's exciting too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I try to use theater or I don't try. I do. I use theater to help people connect to just a different version of themselves that maybe they didn't know existed. And it's really fun. It's really fun to do. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't think I could ever have a desk job because I would probably go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like there's some people who are like that, where it's they're not meant for like a, a sitting computer-based, you know, data input job. It's like you need oh to God. be because the people that I know that are into theater, it's like such a part of their being. It's like that expressiveness, like that movement, that like you know, it's just just a very strong need to engage that way. To be obnoxious and animated, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's funny is yeah. I actually, I didn't start out as a theater person. Like I was always a singer. That was my jam. And mm -hmm. I was like in, in high school, I was in all the choirs and in college, I had like a little choir scholarship. And um, and I originally actually thought I was going to be in a, a diplomat. That was something like if you had asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have said a, dip a diplomat or a singer. And I went to school with the intention of working for the U.S. Foreign Servant Service, so being oh. a agent. And I studied music as just like for fun, like that was my thing that I was just just gonna do for fun. Mm -hmm. And I ended up studying abroad again in Austria, and where I ended up moving to afterwards after college. But I was studying abroad, and I had this internship that was like you have to go, it was like a public service internship. And I, my internship ended up being with an arts company that worked with the youth. And, you know, I was singing and dancing and performing. And I was just like, yeah, this, I'm doing this. This is my <laughs> life. I'm not doing anything else. Um, so I actually, like I said, I moved back. I moved to Austria after school, after I got my undergraduate and I lived there for about two and a half years working mostly as a singer and teaching English to make ends meet. Wow. Yeah. Now, why Austria? What took you to, and what, what's Austria like? Uh, it's an interesting country. I mean, I haven't really been back there in like years. I think the last day was in 2017. So countries evolve, right? I'm all, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Countries evolve. But uh, when I was there, I, I went originally because I, it was where I had the most sort of musical connection so I was working in studios while I was there and, and meeting other working musicians. So in my mind, it was like, oh, I'll just go. I always wanted to live in Europe. And so I was like, I'll go back to Austria. That's where I have most of my connections. And at one point I was considering going to France because I had studied abroad in high school in France. But I met a boy in Austria and he That'll was do like, it. oh, come to Austria. And so I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> Fine. Even though we didn't even live in the same city. So I ended up, my first job there was working as an au pair, which I strongly recommend nobody do. <laughs> <laughs> it so was a nanny? No, it was no good. It, it's like a nanny, except worse because they're like, we won't pay you because you get to live in our house. And I mean, they, they pay you, but it's like a joke. It's an actual... It should be illegal. I'm sorry. I know there's some people who probably have au pairs and they're like, no, being an au pair is good. And I'm sure it is. But um, I felt it was very exploitative and 
I was supposed to be there for a year and I quit after five months. Because oh. <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. Um, and then I ended up teaching and just singing. And that was that was a lot. It was a much better gig. I had a much better quality of life. Not be, Yeah, it was ridiculous. But Austria is beautiful. You should go visit if you haven't. It's gorgeous. I'd love to. I'm going to check it out. You know, there's Alps if, all the way to the West. And the food is very good. <laughs> I mean, if, if you like German food. It's good. So now what, when you say singing, like I'm picturing you like a, like a lounge singer, like what kind of, and like, what, well, what is your like favorite type of music to sing? And then like, what were your venues like? So my favorite type of music to sing is Bossa Nova because it's like the easiest and I love the chord progressions. Freaking awesome. Um, But what I would often get booked for was a lot of funk and a lot of, uh, jazz and a lot of reggae so I was working with different bands and we were singing wherever it's kind of we're on the club scene basically or like yeah so you know you get hired and then they're like here go learn these songs and you rehearse with the band and then you go perform Um, sometimes you get invited to a studio and then you get to sing in the studio and that's always fun too. Um, and then sometimes you get, you get specifically asked to do a concert. So I think the, I, I was really at the local circuit. So the biggest concert I performed in front of, I think was like maybe 3000 people, maybe. So, but you know, it's like, you know, it was fun. You get paid. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like a good life, but is it, you know, but was it stressful at all? Like, did you ever not know like where your next paycheck was coming from or like cover your expenses when you're not oparring? Uh, yeah, that's why I, I ended up uh, teaching English to the side um, because that was a much, I had a few connections. And so that was a much more readily steady gig. Um, and then singing, you know, you you kind of just make ends meet as you can. But I mean, it was it was a, a hard time in the sense that money. I learned a lot about money actually during that time because I was excuse me, I was not rolling in the bank during that time at all. But I learned that um, I learned how to be very appreciative of my dollars or euros at the time. So um, I learned how to say like I have a hundred euros and pretend like. I had 10,000 euros. Like I was able to energetically just become really excited about paying bills and which is, you know, um, or I don't know, just having, having it. And so sort of honoring it, yeah, honoring it for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I noticed what happened was that I, you know, instead of me sort of thinking like, oh, I don't have enough money. It was like, oh, I always have enough money. And I always did. Like somehow I always had enough money. Um, So yeah, so I ended up, I was there for about two and a half years and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. At the time, my father uh, had recently been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So I was feeling a lot of pressure from my family in America that I need to come back to the States. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to go back to the States without getting a master's degree because if I leave this country and I go back to America, then it'll look like I haven't been doing much and I've just been like shooting the shit, which I kind of was. So (laughs) I need to like have an actual, you know, I need to prove myself. So I started looking into going to school, what I thought was going to be for diplomacy, quickly realized this is why am I doing this? Um, And I started looking into acting schools and I looked into schools in London and I actually uh, went to to London to audition for one for a school that is now called the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama. And I got into the program there. And so Mm -hmm. I went to London and I studied musical theater for um, a year, thought I was going to leave then, uh, ended up getting an agent and ended up staying for a, a total of like, I think three and a half, almost four years in London. Wow. Yeah. So I, London was like the first city where I was like, this is, this is home. It was, it's a very, wow. I love London. I still have a very soft spot for London in my heart, but um, yeah. So I ended up just working there, uh, working with other musicians, singing, acting, auditioning, um, sometimes getting cast more often than not getting, getting rejected. Um, but yeah, it was a good experience. 
Where, where, what was your first acting experience? What were your first gigs? Because it sounded like you, you were first just singing, correct? Or did you sing? Or did, did you act yeah. like back in the day, like high school days, like when you're younger? Or was that not till I later? Did. I actually had my first sort of like real, like, this is a great role was with the Dallas Children's Theater. Um, I got the lead for their Christmas show um, when I was like in high school. So that okay. was like kind of a big deal at the time. And then uh, my afterwards, oh, I can't even tell you. Like, <laughs> can you remember my first show show? I, I, li- oh, I can't remember. I feel like there's so many different things that I've done. I think the most prestigious like organization that I worked with, which was exciting, was um, the Royal Opera House. So there I actually ended up getting an art artistic visa or an artist visa, which is, I don't know, it was pretty a big deal at the time. And uh, yeah, and that was really cool. I got to work in the actors ensemble because they hire actors to to kind of to do all of the roles all of the fun roles. So you have your opera singers that are singing and then you have your actors who are like adding character to the scene, whatever the scene's called for, right? So that was fun. I got to beat somebody up on stage at the Royal Opera House. It was cool. (laughs) (laughs) In a nice big like 17th century costume. That was really cool. Or no, 18th century, I think it was. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this is all in London during your time in in London. London. Yeah. And so uh, then I was planning on staying there. I was in a very serious relationship. Um, We were planning on getting married and things were, I thought, going well. And then, you know, immigration procedures change, you know. So Mm -hmm. a new party came to power and they changed a lot of the rules. And so some of the visas that I would have applied for that I would have um, probably been accepted for. I was no longer eligible and it put a lot of pressure on our relationship and I ended up having to leave. And that was really, really hard for me at the time. Um, and then, yeah, I just came back to America and spent about the first year, I think, in a really deep depression, but moved on, picked up my life and moved on. Uh, I was in LA for a little while. I had to go back to Dallas because my father then passed away. And then I came out here to San Francisco through just randomly, randomly visiting a friend and, um, and he, you know, he was like, I haven't seen you in forever. And I came to San Francisco to visit and I decided this is where I should stay. So here I am eight years, almost eight years later. Here you are. Yeah. Glad you're here. Thank you. And, but now you, you own your own organization, company, you're running your own business. Well, you know, the funny thing about running a business is that (laughs) you're, I don't know, it's always happening and then you're also doing other things to the side, right? Like it's always, it takes a while to gain traction. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But I started Theater for Life with the intention of providing workshops and classes and helping people um, tap into that growth component right, of, of personal development. So theater allows you to develop your social emotional skills, your emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I wanted to provide workshops for kids, which I'm doing now, and also provide workshops with adults for adults, which I haven't really had a chance to do because I've been getting hired to do other things for other people, using my skill set to help people either facilitate or help coach for public speaking or help teach voice lessons or, um, yeah. So it's just been kind of like a little bit all over the place (laughs) currently, but I am still, I'm still teaching theater, which is exciting and still making art, which is exciting. So yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And then what is, what was your motivation for when you, you know, cause it is unique. I think we start businesses because we're interested in one specific facet of something that usually was very impactful for us, something that was maybe transformative or really just something that we were really passionate about and really wanting to offer that to others, to let that be like sort of the gift that we're 
we're giving. Um, and it just cre- enables you to create the exact avenue that you want rather than when you're... Because when you're employed, it's like you're ultimately working under someone else's guise of what they care about, which is fine as long as it's aligned with you. But at times it's like you feel that... Like I know for me, I, I just wanted a private practice because I want to be able to do exactly the stuff that I like to do and how yeah. I do it. I get that. I mean, I was teaching for a while for out of school and I I loved the community that I was working with, but it is very exhausting to be a teacher. It is very stressful to be a teacher. Um, I was at an independent school and it's just a stressful, a stressful space to be in. Um, you're dealing with a lot of personalities. Um, as a teacher, I think you really want to please and it can get very, um, very exhausting. And I was also, I I was doing a lot. Like I was, um, I had helped to build their theater program. And so I was putting on these shows and directing them and producing them and costume designing them and prop designing them. And it was, it's just a lot of work that goes into that. So I decided that it was time for me to, like you're saying, like time for me to branch out time for me to try something new, time for me to see what it's like to be my own boss. And I did. And uh, it's a lot harder than I imagined, but I'm really enjoying my time. I'm, I'm starting to really understand how meaningful it is to honor my time and to honor my desires. And I've been using this time to really just like connect with myself in a way that you can't really do when you're constantly, you constantly have deadlines and, you know, I have to write that email or, oh, I had a very stressful day or, oh, this happened. You know, you don't have the the opportunity to really go within and to reconnect with, okay, well, what are my actual desires and what do I want to do and how do I want to best use my time? And so that's been really enjoyable. Um, I've, I started an experiment where um, I've decided not to worry about money at all. And that's been, I mean, like I had one month, I'm very proud to say, where I was like, I am not going to worry about money today. I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to, because I, I would get into this thing where, you know, moving out, moving away from the school system where your entire day is just, you're at eight o'clock, you have to do this. By 10 o'clock, you've done, I don't know, a million things, right? To, oh my gosh, I have all this free time and I get to choose how to use it. That was a really hard jump for me to make. And I was constantly feeling like I was behind and constantly feeling like I'm not doing enough. I was shitting myself to death. And so I decided, you know, I'm not going to shit myself. I'm just going to stay in the present moment. I'm going to listen to myself and do what needs to be done or what I think needs to be done based off of either my to-do list or what my intuition is telling me. And then I'm just going to do it. And I'm not going to worry about like, is this going to bring in money or not? And and I haven't had to worry. I haven't had to have any issues, you know? Yeah. So that's been nice. And yeah, and it's so funny because I was thinking about this yesterday. I heard my intuition and I ignored it. And then I was like, God damn it. I should have listened to it. Because it was it was really small. It was about like um, getting on the whether or not I should take a bus or a subway. But I heard something go, take the bus, and I was like, eh. And then I took the subway, and there were all these issues. So yeah, Ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> so it's getting it's getting it's it's always I've always had a strong sort of inclination to listen to myself and just do what feels right. But it's been nice to reclaim that part of me in all of its entirety, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's a pretty powerful statement to say that I'm going to stop worrying about money. But, you know, I think it is so important. And it's it's a great point, Crystal, because we have the power to say that about anything. Yeah. Anything. You know, I mean, we, I mean, yes, there are going to be things that come into our lives that we may, but until that moment, we don't have to worry about anything. You know, we don't have, and, and in fact, I was just reading something today about like worrying, like when you're like, oh, I need money, I need money, or I want, whenever you declare, I want, it keeps you in the place of wanting, not getting. When you're like, I have money, you, you got money. You're fine. You're like, you're, it's, it's, what I was listening to today was something about abundance. And it said, if you're always like seeing it as something out there, like somewhere down the road, then you're always, it's always going to be down the road. But if you're like, I've got it. 
You know, and I think that that's true with money is people who, and unfortunately it's often just very subconscious. Some people are just very relaxed with money and they're like, it's fine. I'll always have enough. And they tend to, but when you're in a scarcity mindset, you kind of just, you're going to create the exact scenarios that you feel going on. All you see are blocks when you're in that scarcity mindset, right? Yeah. One of the things that uh, this is important for me, I feel, is that do starting this own uh, a business has forced me to really really try to identify the voices of the blocks that I have, right? And really work through those blocks. So Mm -hmm. I was struggling with failure because it's something that I had seen. I'd I'd seen someone that I cared about work really hard and fail. Um, I, I come from a culture that we're, you know, just because, you know, I, this concept of, oh, you work really hard and you succeed has, has not rung, rung true for us. It was, you work really hard and you still get, you know, effed. I swear a lot. I'm sorry. Oh, you're allowed to swear. You, get, you can swear. Okay, okay. You still, you still get fucked over. Like, really? So, um, so I, I had to really confront that. And in confronting that, I've had to, really look at, into some insecurities. And part of that, I had a whole insecurity around money and around success and the concept of success and and whether around being enough, like whether or not I'm enough. And all of that to me is based in this scarcity mindset that we're literally, in my opinion, now that I've left education, not official, like 100%, but I've left the system, um, it's kind of in, not indoctrinated, but it's kind of it, it's kind of drilled in us. We, we we go through this whole like we, you know as students. I can see my students. You know, for example, I would give them an assignment, and they didn't turn in their assignment, and they would come to me or they are late with their assignment, and they'd say, "Oh, I'm sorry." And I'm like, why are you apologizing to me? This is not my assignment. This is your work. Like, you don't need to, you haven't done anything wrong. You turned it in late, but that's you, not me. Like, you you know? And so, but there's this this sense, this power imbalance that the students are, are, are experiencing and this sense of, like I gotta, I gotta be good. I gotta be good. So they're apologizing because they haven't done the right thing. And what happens, you know, is we continue, we keep this message, we hold on to this message, and it exhibits itself in all other venues of our life, in relationships, and work. You know, I, I would get really frustrated when I, I have people that I've worked with in the past and. They're amazing people. They're wonderful people. They're insanely talented, but they'll have this energy or this mindset if something goes wrong of, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, by who? Who are you going to get in trouble by? Like, you're you're an adult. Like, you can't get in trouble. And it's just this weird, like, to me, this power imbalance and this sense of, of I'm never enough or I'm not, I'm, I'm not living up to some invisible standard. And that invisible standard is something that's been mentally created. And so we can just as much mentally uncreate it. So this, you know, starting this business has been, has really helped me look into that. Like, what are these standards or what are the, what are these, you know, these blocks that I have that I'm telling myself that I have that actually I don't have to have them and I can just decide that they're not real or I can choose to, view them in a different way. One thing I started doing was choosing to view uh, blocks as, and this is a very theater thing, um, you know, any sort of obstacle, choosing to see it as a blessing and choosing to say like, oh, I'm so, okay, cool. I'm so glad that you're a problem I get to work out. Woohoo! And even getting excited about it. Because when you're putting on a show with uh, 40 middle schoolers who are basically like cats, you there's a there's like 40 blocks that happen (laughs) you're like I just want to get this show together so that your parents like don't I don't know they don't kill me I don't know like that's kind of this pressure you're feeling and because I'm an artist like my shows have to be good so and they were I'm not gonna like some good stuff with these kids but you're you're like we just need to get the show on the road and I've given you all have the tools to do it and I know you all can do it and they're like Miss Brown, I have to go to the bathroom. And you're like, dude, you know, it's just like silly little blocks that come up. So getting into a space of, 
okay, yay, here's a block that I get to deal with. Great. And having that attitude. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been interesting. <laughs> well, that attitude will definitely uh, ease your way through life because there's right. always blocks and challenges. But it's it's the truth though, is that, and I was talking with somebody about this to somebody the other day, is that to me, um, you know, life is all about growing and evolving as, I mean, I'm spiritual based. So I think that we have a soul. And so our soul comes into this lifetime to grow and evolve. And so if we're, if we have like a smooth course, like that's great. Like we have a fun ride, but it's when like the, like the challenges come to let you grow. We don't grow without challenges. When you have a show with 40 kids, like you're going to learn how to be resourceful and quick on your toes and how to solve things because you're like, Oh my gosh, this kid needs to go on stage in two seconds. And they like pee their pants or whatever it is. You're going to have to, you know, figure things out. And that's how we learn. I mean, most people will say that anytime you look back at your life, it was the challenging years. It was the hardest times that created the greatest character within you. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think sometimes what would happen in education um, is a lot of, you know, parents and I get it. I, I have friends that are parents. I might be a parent next year, hopefully. Oh. Um, <laughs> hopefully. Um, for you. Thank you. Um yeah, like, you know, parents, you care about your kids, you want the best for them, you want to protect them, fill in the blank. And you you think, or I would experience parents who would sometimes think that their child shouldn't have to go through this hard experience or shouldn't go through this hard experience and or that hard experience, and this is going to screw them up. And I'm like, well, guess what? everybody's screwed up. Like that's, that's part of life. And it's not to be dismissive. It's just that everybody's screwed up. That's, that's how you, like you're saying, that's how you develop your character is through a screw up that you go, Oh wait, I can, I know you become so much more empowered when you learn the skill of choosing how to respond to the screwed up things that happen to you like that. Like when you can get that skill set, it's like, Oh, okay, my house is on fire. I can handle this. And it doesn't mean that you're like, don't cry. Like during COVID, I was thinking about this. I heard someone talking about crying recently. And I was like, oh my God, during COVID, I think I cried like every day, mm-hmm. right? And at one point I was like, okay, this is just, oh, it's my weekly cry. Like, all right, ready for it. And it wasn't, and it was kind of funny, I guess, because it was, it. I didn't feel... Once I recognize, like, okay, this is just what I'm, this is my reaction to all of this stuff that's happening in my life. Once I was able to see that, I was able to just cry and then move on, as opposed to in the past, I would have cried and it would have become a whole story and I would have, you know, been depressed and not eaten and not wanted to leave my house. Like, it would have been a whole thing. And I've, I feel like I'm now in a place where I'm like, okay, something really bad is happening. I still go through the feelings of this is bad, but then I'm able to say, okay, how am I going to respond to this? Or how am I going to, how am I going to laugh my way through this if I choose to laugh my way through this? So yeah, it's character. It's important. Those, those negative times, I think reframing the, the ability to reframe those, that negativity or those negative times and to see it as an opportunity to grow is very important. And I think theater kind of naturally does that just because there's so much that goes wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you, a big part of your work is focusing on um, the impact of theater and arts in personal development and growth. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think the people like myself who I haven't done, I, I'm not like, I would never be a big like theater person. Uh, I'm like, I'm a dancer. So I like to perform that way, but that's more like free flowing dance is what I would do. But as far as like, you know, when you're really getting into it with like theater and expression, like getting into character, like that's, I mean, you're really using like these these deep tools of creation. So yeah, how, share with us about personal development and growth in that way. Yeah, it's funny because um, I like to say that I'm not a really big theater person either because I was never one of those kids that was like, theater! Like I was never that person, right? Um, but it, it's, it's such an interesting medium because we naturally perform. We're all natural actors, whether we acknowledge it or not. And so, you know, we're constantly in our world, we're constantly wearing different masks, we're constantly exchanging those masks, we're constantly trying to figure out 
what character do I need to be when I go have this conversation with my boss versus when I'm talking to my child versus when I'm in church or my place of worship? There's all these little roles that we're playing. So one of the things that I love about theater, I'll speak, there's a few things, is there's one one there's one aspect where you're combining the creative with the logistical. So in terms of just like hard skills, like corporate world skill set, you're taking your you you have to develop a creative mind enough that you have to dream about like your set or your um your costumes or your lighting or whatever. There's this artistic component, but then you have to figure out the logistics behind it. So that's that's like a really nice marriage, I feel. Um, you have to learn how to collaborate. You have to learn how to communicate your ideas. You have to learn how to deal with rejection of your ideas. Uh, you have to learn how to budget. Like there's all these beautiful sort of real life skill practicals. But then there's this other element of as being an actor that I love and just like could bathe myself in this process where you're, you dive into somebody else's perspective and you dive into somebody else's story and you start to realize that as humans we don't give ourselves enough credit to understand that our lives are nothing more than stories every single thing that we do is the story so whether or not we you know wake up in the morning and we're excited about work or we wake up in the morning and we hate work or we wake up in the morning and we love the person that we're talking to or like our partner and we're happy to see them or we're not happy to see them it's all just a story and it doesn't mean that things don't happen to influence that story but you recognize, okay, this is a story that this person is telling and you get to see their perspective. So a villain, for example, I always love villains because villains never think they're villains. They all they they always justify why they're doing what they're doing. And from their perspective, it makes a hundred, it makes sense, right? So now knowing this. I can use this information when I'm dealing with somebody, right? Because, for example, when I'm dealing with my students, uh, villains never think they're villains and they all and everybody gets defensive the moment you say you did something. So now if I'm dealing with a child that is sort of <laughs> exhibiting villain characteristics, I can go into this, I can put myself into their space and go, okay, well, what is happening from their perspective? What is the story that they're telling from their perspective? And nine times out of 10, it's nobody understands me. I'm alone. Uh, I'm, I'm too weird for this world. Like whatever, who knows? There's a million and one. But knowing that, then you're able to have empathy with them and you're able to connect with them in a way that maybe you're not necessarily able to connect with if, you, if you're approaching them with your own story, which is you're a villain, you are bad, right? Which is, you know, I'm oversimplifying things. But, um, but yeah, when you get into this process of like learning how a character thinks or learning what a character is, you know, what they're doing, it, you're suddenly just thrown into this world that's so much richer. It, it just It's just like this rich, beautiful world of people walking around with all these crazy stories. And it's like, woo, I want to check out your story. And then when you're like rehearsing, in order to, to, to really truly rehearse and in order to go through the process of inhabiting this person's body, you have to learn how to really be present and how to really be aware. And you have to pretend like, you know, theater, you're, you're constantly rehearsing the same lines over and over again, but you have to pretend like it's the first time you've ever said that. So in order to like, it's the first time you've ever heard that like your husband is having an affair or something like that. Right. So in order to do that, you have to sort of put yourself in this place where you're constantly in the present moment and, and you're constantly open to play in the present moment. And that space is such a, you know, just rehearsal. I realized I was a director when I was like, I really like rehearsing, but I'm not digging performing as much anymore. So it's like, I love that process because just that process of being in the space, being present, nothing else matters, but telling this person's story and connecting with your castmates in a way that like, excuse me, 
you're like getting really deep, right? Like you're talking about, like you're, you might have two characters that are dealing with the death of their parents and suddenly, and you, and suddenly you're having to connect with someone at this like really soul level, present level, inhabiting new worlds. And it's just, and you're playing too. It's like, the, it's just a really unique medium that I, I feel like I've not really, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm not a professional dancer, but I, I am a dancer in the sense that I can move my booty and <laughs> dancing is similar, I think, but theater, it's just, um, there, there's just something a little bit special. And then, you know, there's this other element of my goodness. And you, and I get this sensation when I do, when I like, uh, go to a concert too, but, you're when you go to see a show, all time is stopped, and you're in you're in this shared experience with all these people. And if the show is amazing, like you literally leave the stage and you're or the theater, and you're like, oh, you know, like everyone's like breathing this collective, you know, joy or relief or tears. I remember seeing a show one time in London where, um, oh my god, what was it? I think it was Warhorse. I, th- I might get the name right. I think it was Warhorse. I have a really bad memory uh, with titles and names. But uh, people were like old men, like really older men in their 70s were crying. Like I was crying. Like everybody's crying because the story was about uh, animals in first in the First World War. And they the animals were being portrayed by puppets and by humans who had very well managed to to uh, replicate the, um, the movements of like horses and geese and all this stuff. And it tells the story and I don't really remember all the story, but in the end, I remember people were just bawling. And there is something really like strong and beautiful and vulnerable and connecting about a bunch of people in a room bawling in a, in a, in a, in a safe space, right? Um, and reflecting on, and you know, and you leave a situation like that and you're like, you have a different appreciation for life. I think one of the reasons why America has so many issues is because we got rid of the arts in the schools. Like we got rid of the, we got rid of what really makes us human, which is the arts and like understanding other people's perspective and understanding nuance and what that means. Like we, we got rid of all of that. And we said, if you want to do it, you have to do it as an extracurricular activity as opposed to forcing people. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, that's always fun too, to get kids who are in my class and they don't want to be there. And then it's like, Oh, I have to make this matter for you. And I usually succeed, but yeah. It's all. It's a nice. It's always a nice, fun teaching challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I. There's just so much that I feel, you know, as an actor. Oh, here's another thing that I think is really amazing. When you go, if anybody is ever interested in going through the process of becoming an actor or a director, you have to learn so much about yourself too, because in order to know how to portray somebody else's character, you got to know what makes you tick. Right. And and why you do what you do. You have to know your story. So once you start learning your story, you're like, oh, that's why I do this. That's why I do that. And then you can, you know, even in the way somebody stands or the way somebody sits or the way somebody holds a pen, like all of these things tell story. The way somebody drinks that tell like if the way they hold their cup. All this, all of this can be, you know, it, it tells a story. It tells us a story about what that person, um, how, what their relation. This is going to sound weird, but like, what is their relationship to food? You can tell based off of how somebody eats, right? So, it's you have to, as an actor, you have to know these things so that when you um, have a character, you can accurately, to the best of your abilities portray that character as truthfully truthfully as possible so that's always fun too I feel like and there's you know when you do some sort of actors training there's always you know there's a lot of movement work that you do there's a lot of vocal work that you do so you can learn your your apparatus so to speak um excuse me I drink a lot of coffee <laughs> I'm like all right <laughs> But yeah, it's it's really it's fun. And then when you're directing, it's fun because you're like 
painting. I always say, I would always tell my students, you're painting a world with people. And you're painting a world with energy. And so there's all these these fun games that you get to do to help you figure out how we're going to stage this world that we're creating for everyone. So that's, I mean, to me, that's all really, it's all fun. It's just all extremely stressful. So I'm taking a little bit of a break, at least from the education (laughs) theater component and just doing workshops, which is a little bit easier. (laughs) I can imagine it's, it's stressful. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds, it's challenging, you know, I mean, it's definitely, it's, I mean, I I know that the times that I've tried to act, it's just, it just takes a lot. uh, It's an emotional experience, but it's also mental. Cause like you said, you got to get into character and you got to go there and you have to like, to emote that just takes a lot of energy in general, you know? And you got to be willing to like, I always tell my students, you know, the first time I see them, you got to be willing to be an idiot because yeah. it's weird. Like a lot of them, you know, it's so cute. They'll do a show or they'll start to do, or we'll be in rehearsal and they'll have a line and they're like, Ooh. and I'm like, what are, what is that face? What are you doing? Oh, I feel weird. And I'm like, yeah, of course you feel weird. Cause it's, this is weird. You're pretending to be someone you're not <laughs> like, that's weird, but you got to embrace the weirdness. And there is, I mean, there's a reason why actors are weird because we've embraced the weirdness and we do not care. And, and there's a lot of like, <laughs> there's a, I'm laughing. Cause like, there's how many, how many times I've been in places where with other actors, like backstage or, in a dressing room and we're just like get naked in front of each other, like opposite sex. And it's like not a weird thing because you all know that, you know, you're so used to, to having to leave any preconception of yourself. So all of that, like, Oh my God, I have a mole on my body and I don't want anyone to see my boobs. It's like, nobody cares. Yeah. Like we're all, we all have ugly breasts, like nobody or, or not like nobody cares, you know, like we're all just, we're all just these these figures on this planet and yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun way of it's a weird way of being never date an actor having said all of that <laughs> cuz holy crap like there there's only certain types of people who tend to be attracted to this yeah. and that, and this is funny too i was talking to someone about this and they're like um they're like, you know, you're you're actually pretty normal for for an actor, and I'm like, yeah, that's because I don't need people to see me. So there are some actors that are like they're in it because they need people to like acknowledge their existence, and I'm I'm just like, eh, I'm here, I'm not here, I don't really care because I'm I'm gonna act like an idiot regardless, like. <laughs> In front of people, behind stage, it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's fun times. So yeah. <laughs> Everyone and what about the joy that. component? Because you also talk about how, so that this creative mindset, this growth mindset of like really like putting yourself, because I think one of the biggest things about acting that I imagine is very beneficial is that you force yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, oh, like it's not 100%. super comfortable to put yourself on a stage and to, and to take that risk of like, if I try to imitate this character and it flops, like I'm going to look like a jackass and I'm, are people going to laugh at me or, you know, or you could be awesome. So it's like, you're taking this risk. You're going out of your comfort zone. So you really are getting into this growth mindset. And I mean, that in of itself is beautiful and wonderful. And then, but it also, you know, you focus on how it helps bring joy, maintain joy. Yeah. Well, I think if, if any, it, Theater itself, like I said, you kind of have to leave the self-criticism at the door. You can't, you know, I say you can't do a bad job if you if you do a character truthfully, like you play a character truthfully, then you can't do a bad job. Now, someone might not like your interpretation of how you've played the character, but you can't really screw it up, right? A lot of times when I see like actors that aren't good, it's because they're not fully committed to the character like they're just kind of like half ass in it and it's like dude come on um but it's a joy there's a lot of like i said you're you're leaving the ability to be able to first stop put a pause on whatever is happening out in your life right like whatever issues you have like already 
you're you've upped your joy because you're not you're not dealing with you can't you can't be in a scene and be thinking about what am I going to cook for dinner it's going to be brutally you can't be in a scene mm-hmm. and be thinking about the argument that you had with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your mother like you can't do that so you have to be present and whenever you're present you always whenever you're present you always release that tension of that story that we always feel like you just automatically release it a little bit of it, but then you also have to play. So uh, there's a lot of acting games that, um, you know, you'll do. Like if I teach an improv class, which I will be soon, um, there there's, it's all just a bunch of games that we're playing. And the whole point of playing the games is to get people out of their comfort zone by recognizing that they can't get it wrong. You know, we grow up thinking, like I said earlier, like we have, there's this worth, like how worthy am I? Am I worthy enough for this? Am I worthy enough for that? And if we don't think we're worthy, we're shitting ourselves. I should this, I should that, I should. Uh, no, you shouldn't anything. You should stay in this circle and have fun. And if you say something stupid, we'll all laugh with you. You know, like that's a lot. So a lot of these games that you play or a lot of these um rehearsals that you do it's really just about being present and and um and saying yes to whatever presents itself and you'll find like you know once you say yes to what is all of the the resistance the 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 feeling of of uh of not enough all of that it automatically dissipates it automatically just disappears and is gone so so you're naturally you're naturally laughing you're naturally enjoying each other and you have and it, and you end up developing what i call this like playful attitude which i i mean I feel like it has been so helpful for me to have this attitude in life like we were kind of saying earlier like the moment something goes wrong or the moment things are going wrong um i remember during covid i was asked to put on a musical still and so I we basically took did this 90 minute musical over a year had our kids recording scenes online had them recording the songs one by one in a studio and then I had to like um I had to storyboard the whole this entire musical so that we could collect all of the footage and give it to an editor and pay the editor to put it together so that at the end we had basically a movie musical. And that was a nightmare. Like it was just a a total nightmare. And there were times, because whatever, there were times though where it was like, oh my God, I don't understand how this is supposed to work. Like the logistics behind this are not going to work. And just having, being able to have, tap into that playful attitude of, well, something's going to work, right? Because something has to. Like you just, you're... You just go through life realizing that, you know, whatever story you're telling, you can change it to one that suits you better. Uh, Whatever story you're telling about a situation or about another person, you can let it go. And you open your, and in opening yourself up to saying yes, like to whatever situation presents itself, you invite source or spirit or ingenuity, whatever you want to call it, you invite new um, ideas to flow, new people to present themselves to offer help, new opportunities to come in and help you rearrange or what or whatnot. So it's a very, I mean, I'm just thinking and my 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 issue was when I was at the school, I think my issue was just I just had was taking on too much. But it still is a very playful, very like fun way of moving. And so, um, so yeah, I'm, I think I forgot what the question was. I apologize. <laughs> well, you inadvertently answered it. Even It was okay, about joy. Okay. So just about how it brings, yeah. um, you know, how the creative mind and growth mindsets um, helps maintain joy. Yeah. It's, I guess, because I think when a lot of times something will happen in our lives and we're like, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is no, this is not how it's, I am. I was supposed to have this, have that. This was supposed to happen. And it's like, okay, when you're able to say, hello, horrible situation that I hate, I'm going to release all of my resistance to the fact that it's happening and just say yes to it. 
the situation really does shift. And, you know, it might not be, it might not shift in the direction that you were hoping. Cause that's the other thing about art and theater that is that you can have your conception about what you think is supposed to happen. And then when you say yes, something better usually comes along. Like I, I directed a show one time. This was so funny. I directed this show where uh, it was like, it was called, oh my God, The Complete Shakespeare Works. Blah, the Complete Works of Shakespeare. I think I said that right. And it was, it's like a hodgepodge of all the works of Shakespeare. It's a comedy. And during rehearsal, we had this one moment where an actor was missing, they missed their mark. They were supposed to bring in a puppet and they missed their mark originally in the way that I had blocked it. And when they realized, we were doing like a run through, when they realized what they had happened, they like jumped up, grabbed the puppet and just threw it. And they did it in such a way, and this is like a life-size puppet, yeah. They did it in such a way that literally rehearsal stopped because we all were laughing so hard, we could not breathe. Like we were just like on the floor laughing. And it was like, we're keeping that. And so every time, instead of doing what originally I thought was going to happen, what I had wanted in my artistic head, we had him just recreate that same situation where, oh, and, you know, he realizes that he's messed up, takes the puppet and throws it. And every time the audience would just howl with laughter. And so it's like you learn like, you know, I have this situation. I want to say no to it because I hate this situation, but I'm going to say yes to it. And I'm going to cultivate an attitude of who knows? Let's see. There is no wrong. It can't go wrong. Even death, it can't go wrong, right? Because death is just the continuation of, of, of life, just in another form. So it happens. And then, you know, okay, it, something better comes along. And it's like, oh, this actually... This turned out way better than I could have anticipated. Or I learned something really important about this. You know, there's always a silver lining, I feel like, really. Yeah. Even even in the, in the darkest moments, I really I really do believe that there always can be a silver lining. So, um so the arts, I think they they can help us in theater, you know, it can help us keep be aware of that and can help us keep that in mind. We're in a very lucky time where we're, we don't have to necessarily struggle for food. We have indoor plumbing, which, by the way, I feel like there should be a million songs written about indoor plumbing because <laughs> it's freaking amazing. It, have you stopped and thought about how amazing indoor plumbing is? I mean, like, I think, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, we've, we've come a long way. We've it's come a long way. So there's a lot of things to sort of, you know, celebrate and and... And so I think it's like, even if things feel dark, we, we, and, and I've been through, I don't really talk about my past, but I've had my own share, fair share of ups and downs. And like, you know, uh, I didn't, we didn't get a chance to go through this, but um, back to the States, I like lost my sense of sanity, literally. And I, I had felt like the rug had been plugged, pug, ugh, pulled from underneath me. Mm. And I felt like I, you know, I was struggling with my, my mental health. For a very long time and I had you know I was in therapy for like five years like trying to really work through it and I I really do think the things that have got that got me through it were recognizing being able to know that this moment that I'm experiencing this horrible paranoia and borderline like I'm not wanting to leave my house not wanting to drive like this is temporary this is a story that I'm telling. It's in reaction to all of these other events. And that's fine. This is where I am now. But this is temporary. And there's always a way forward. And there has been. So that's for another time if you if you ever want to talk about that. <laughs> of course I do. I mean, <laughs> thank you for sharing that piece. Because that's, I mean, everybody goes through those dark right? That, oh, right. Yeah. I mean, again, part of life, part of growing. You can't, you know, you can't always be in the sun. It's, you know, it's about those darker times where you really figure out who you are and what you're made of. Right. You know, and that's when I'm, you really have to use those, the strength that you have. Exactly. And I realized too, you know, growing up, it was like, I think I was always a very sort of like, because that's the other thing. I think when you're an artist, you also are naturally empathic. Mm. You know, you're naturally sort of, you naturally pick up on other people's energies. You naturally have this, a 
awareness that um, is not always, you can't always explain. Um, and I think that as a child, I, I was I was always picking up on stuff that I couldn't explain. And I was really anxious as a child, I'm realizing. And so I think theater or dancing, and when I was younger, it was mostly dancing and singing. That allowed me a way to kind of just charge some of that energy. So I think, you know, the arts are, it's, they're so important. Like I took a dance class recently and I was like, you know, it was a Samba class it's before COVID and I was horrible at it. And I went through this process of being like, what is my body doing? And I feel so insecure and I don't know what I'm doing. And I look like an idiot and I feel dumb and stupid. And, and I stuck with it. And then I ended up performing in the carnival you know, right before COVID shut down, everything down. And it was such a such a growth experience of like, I am doing something that's really not comfortable, but it's fun. I stuck with it. I made friends. I learned a new culture that helped me learn a new language. Like it's just, it's become this whole thing. I love Samba now. Um, so yeah, I just, the arts are important. Absolutely. And, you know, to what you were speaking about earlier, I think when I think about what, you know, some of the more traditional topics taught in schools that are considered like so essential, it's all just in our brain. Like when we're trying to figure out math and science, they're amazing concepts that really light up our understanding and it's, it's wonderful. However, it's not until you can do expressive arts because when you do all those other things, it's all about what's outside of you. Okay. I'm going to learn what somebody else's formula is and this and that. But when we do expressive arts, like, oh, what's within me? Because yes. every art is always unique. Even if you act out a role of a play that's been done a gazillion times, you're still doing it in your own unique way. And you're like, oh, damn, like, look what I got. Like when you found out your style, like, oh my gosh, this is crystal style. Like, this is what it is. This is what I got. Yeah. And and you get to like, but you get to work with it, right? Like you see what comes up innately and then you get to play with it. And so that, I think it's so important because it, it's it gives you a, a sense of, your uniqueness, your your own autonomous abilities, where you're like, damn, this is something only I can do in this way. And that's specific to expressive arts. And so I do think that it's it's you know awful that it would be considered, you know, an elective. I think it's absolutely essential to the growth of a human being to celebrate and tap into what does it mean to get in there and bring up our real expression, our real essence, and let that out in its own like ferocious individualistic way of like like roar, you know, like let it out. And because it does, it does produce joy to be like, wow, I can do this and I can feel this and I can, you know, and then to gain that, that empathy of like, I can understand like what it would be like for somebody else. And I'm going to bring that through. So yeah. And like a million different ways, it's just like, it's so important. And it's, you know, I think it's integral to understanding who we are. A hundred percent. I'm just, I'm just going to leave with this and say that one of the most one of the most beautiful moments I've ex- I've witnessed is really seeing a student who didn't believe in themselves when it came to a role, mm-hmm. didn't believe that they, you know, could say their line or do their line a certain way and then just watch them inhabit that role and leave as a person, like leave the stage as a transformed individual with uh, esteem, self-esteem and and just self-belief. And it's and it's an experience that I've seen with kids and adults. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it really is a beautiful, a beautiful moment, something that can, yeah, very impactful. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Crystal, thank you so much for bringing all this to light for us and for sharing yeah. your, your extensive experience with this and allowing us to unpack and explore, you know, the importance of arts and education. Well, thank you so much. I hope I didn't ramble too much. Oh gosh, no. <laughs> it was all perfect and amazing. I will ask, I will, and you can decline, but are you open to singing something for us before? Oh, we can, like, I can. What should I sing? What should we sing? Oh my God. Whatever you got. I, I've never had someone sing and I would just love to have you sing on the show. Oh uh, my God. I hate when people are like, can you sing? Cause I'm like, I don't know what to sing. Okay. I'll just, I, okay. I will sing my goodbye. Oh no. Let's sing Mr. Rogers. This is my favorite song. Okay. I got to get ready though. Cause I'm sitting on my bed. I got to, I can't project. So okay. Wanna... Then project, you know, get in your projection position. <laughs> It's it. Let me find the right note. 
It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, a feeling you know that I'll be back. This is Mr. Rogers. When the day is through and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about, I will too. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So gorgeous. So beautiful. That's the Mr. Rogers way he sings every time at the end of his show. Yeah. But I've never heard it sung before like that. I've never thought of it that way. So thank you. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Crystal, for that beautiful gift of your voice. You're welcome. Your expression. And uh, so wonderful to talk. Thanks for being on the show. And good luck with everything in this coming year. Whether mm-hmm. it's a new a new show or a new baby or a I new know, opportunity we'll to it all, it'll come your way. <laughs> You're manifesting it, right? You're honing that power right now, calling it in. That's why I'm putting it out there in the universe. I'm like, yes, right. You heard Speak me. It. Speak <laughs> it out. <laughs> all right, have a good one, Whitney. Right. Take care, Bye. Crystal. Bye. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.